Good to see. Yeah, all right. It's good to see everyone. It's be wonderful for me to be with you tonight. My name is uh, Ben Green. I serve as a pa senior pastor at Rimrock Church. Uh, we're one church, but we have two campuses, and uh, um, but we're unified. Even though we're we have different flavor, we're unified by the mission and the desire we have to glorify Jesus Christ above all else. Would you join me in praying as we open God's word tonight? Lord, thank you for this night. And it's not a mistake that you have gathered this uh, group of people together at this point. And we believe that God, the most valuable, important thing, person here is you. Lord, we need you more than uh, we can describe, more than words can describe, more than uh, we can express. And I just pray that, Lord, you would reveal your glory, your goodness, your love, your grace, your truth, uh, the reality of what you're doing. Would you reveal that to us tonight? I ask this in the precious, powerful name of Jesus. Amen. So we are beginning a new series um, because this is a season that's really special in the church. We call this Advent. And I know everyone uh, around us in our culture calls it Christmas, and uh, Christmas is a good word, too, uh, because of Jesus Christ and his birth. But Advent is uh, an important season of preparation for the coming of the Lord. And that is something that uh, the Old Testament saints, the people who walked with God, knew God, longed for. They longed for the coming of the Messiah, the coming of the Savior. And in some ways, um, that longing and expectation continues in our hearts. Even though Jesus has come, <laughs> and he was born in a manger 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem, and that reality has changed all of human history, the reality is also that Jesus said that he is coming again. And so Advent means coming, and it's our expectation and longing that Jesus will come. And when he comes, he will no longer come as a baby. He will come as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he will come to redeem and to save, but he will also come to judge. And he will come to set right this world that has been marred and scarred by so much evil and so much wrong. And so his coming is a, a glorious thing, a thing of hope, a thing of joy for us. But there's also a sense of reverence and awe and fear and even dread with his coming in a world that um, has so much chaos and confusion. Jesus will make everything right. And so his coming is something that uh, is described in the gospel of Matthew like uh, these uh, women bridesmaids who went out and they were waiting for the bridegroom. And five of them brought enough oil to light their lamps all night because it says, Jesus said, it was a long time for the bridegroom to come. And so it went late into the night and then five didn't bring enough oil. And so they were waiting, but they ran out of oil and they realized the bridegroom was going to come and they didn't have oil in their lamps. And so the five 
wise bridesmaids who had oil, they were ready. They were expecting, longing for the coming of the bridegroom. But the other five had to go into town to get more oil, and they missed his coming. And so that's a, a parable. It's a story that Jesus told us about Advent, about the reality of his coming, and that not everyone's going to be ready. Not everyone's going to be prepared for his coming. But those who are <laughs> will receive an amazing, incredible reward and blessing. And so the reason we're going to take a put attention to this time is because we want to be ready. <laughs> There's nothing more important for you and for I is to be ready for the coming of Jesus. It is the most important thing for all of us. And so it matters how we wait. There's a couple um, stories in the Bible that are, are really beautiful and wonderful. But I want to focus in on one story and we're really going to focus on the person of the Holy Spirit because Jesus told us before he left earth that he was going to leave a gift, and that gift is the Holy Spirit. He said, I'm not going to leave you in John 14 as orphans. I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to leave someone with you who's going to help you. And so he, he said, this is the Holy Spirit, and this is God himself dwelling with his people. And you see, Jesus made this possible. Because Jesus died on a cross. He died on a cross to bring payment, to bring uh, full uh, forgiveness for every sin that every person has ever committed. <laughs> Isn't that incredible? He made payment. He accomplished what we could never accomplish on our own. He made a way for us to be right with God. And that had to happen because no matter what we did or what we sacrificed, it was not enough to uh, gain God's favor or to make ourselves right before God because we're incapable of that. We couldn't do it. And so Jesus did what we could not do. He came into this earth and he died on a cross, a cruel, terrible death. He shed innocent blood and he was crucified and he was buried. And for three days he remained in the grave and then on the third day he rose again. He came back to life. And he resurrected to guarantee eternal life to everyone who would believe. He offers not only forgiveness of sins, but offers eternal life, life with God. And that is why Jesus came. And he did that so that we could receive the Holy Spirit, <laughs> so that the very presence of God could dwell with us. Because in the time before Jesus came, the Jews had a place in the temple called the Holy of Holies. And no one could go there because no one could ever come into the presence of a holy God <laughs> full of sin. And so that place was guarded and it was protected with a curtain. And only once a year a priest could go in and, and maybe he would survive. But sometimes he wouldn't even survive being in the presence of God. And so what was the way that we could experience our creator, that we could experience God's goodness and experience his love and experience all that he could give us for life. Jesus made the way and that's why when Jesus was crucified on the cross, the curtain was torn <laughs> and that barrier between man and God was opened and now the Holy Spirit could no longer just dwell in a secret place in the temple, but now the Spirit of God was going to be poured out on all people 
and available to every person. Every man and woman and child could receive this incredible gift. And so as we talk about Advent, the expectation that Jesus is going to come. <laughs> he's going to come as a king. He's going to come to redeem. And he's going to come to set right this world and everything that is wrong. He's given us a gift, and that gift is the Holy Spirit. And there's a story in the Bible that uh, we're going to probably most of us think about or read, or maybe uh, you've been familiar with it around Christmas time in Luke chapter 1. And it's the story of Mary. Mary, a uh, young Jewish girl who uh, uh, lived in a northern Israel. And she didn't have a lot of money. She didn't, wasn't well known. There was nothing about her that you would say she was going to be chosen by God. Yet, in her heart, there was a longing and expectation for the Messiah, for the Savior to come. And of all the people on earth, Jesus chose Mary to be the one to receive him as her child. And so we're told this incredible story in Luke chapter 1, and an angel comes and tells Mary that she is going to conceive and give birth to a son, and that she is to call him Jesus, and he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. <laughs> and I can imagine Mary is thinking, me? <laughs> why, why me? But God knew Mary's heart. He knew that she was the one, and this is what he says. He says, he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. He will be a king. And then Mary asks the question, um, how will this be? Mary asks the angel, since I am a virgin. You see, this, this didn't make sense to her. <laughs> it doesn't make sense to us. Yet God had a plan, he had a purpose, and he chose Mary and he said, through you, Mary, I'm going to come into this world. And through you, I'm going to bring salvation and blessing. And so this is what the angel told her. He said, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, how many of you have thought about the Holy Spirit in the Christmas story? We don't, we don't think about the Holy Spirit a lot, but he's there. <laughs> he's in the middle of this incredible moment in history where God is breaking into our, our human story, and he's bringing about something new, something different. Now, the Bible teaches clearly that God is Trinity, that he is three, that he is one God but three persons. Um, and this is a mystery, but it's beautiful. <laughs> And you see the, the reality of God's love fully expressed in the Trinity and that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit fully embrace unity and love and sacrifice and glory and honor for one another in this perfect community. And so from the very beginning of creation, we are introduced to the idea of the Trinity where in the very beginning of creation, in Genesis 1-1, it says that God created, that God spoke creation into being. And we're told in that creation story that the earth was formless and void, and, and it says the breath or the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. 
That's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> he was engaged in creation. And later we're told that Jesus is the word of God. And it's through Jesus that God spoke creation into being. And we're also told that the Father, it was his will and his design that he is, in a sense, the architect of all of creation. And so even in creation, you see the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit actively engaged in creating and making this beautiful world. <laughs> I was just outside a little bit today, and I looked around at the hills and the trees and the sun, and you cannot look at those things and not be amazed at the grandeur of the Creator. You see the fingerprints of God everywhere you look. And so in this moment, Mary gets this message that she is going to be the, 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 the birth mom of the Savior of the world. And it's the Holy Spirit that's going to work in her and produce and create something that she could never do on her own. This was not a human thing, that God was revealing himself, that he was what we call the incarnation. He was making himself known. He was revealing who he was. And so this is, in a sense, a, a creation account, again, of a new creation. And I think this is powerful because as we think about our lives, as we are in an Advent time, just like Mary was in an Advent time, she was waiting for the Savior of the world to come. <laughs> just as we are waiting for Jesus to come back, the Holy Spirit was given to her at that moment. And in the same way, the Holy Spirit is given to us. And God is working in us, kind of like he worked in Mary. Now, I don't think we're all going to get pregnant. <laughs> that was a unique thing. But the Holy Spirit, praise God, right? Court's happy there. <laughs> That's not going to happen. But, um, but God is doing something new in us through the Holy Spirit. And what we see in Mary is, I believe, what God wants to do in us in that he is going to give us his very presence and his very power. His presence and his power. And this is through the Holy Spirit. On the screen, I'm going to have Ephesians chapter 1 up there. And we believe very clearly that Jesus taught us that when we receive the gospel, when we receive the message that Jesus came into this world to save us through the cross and through his resurrection, at the moment of belief, at the moment that you and your heart receive him as Lord, as King, and as Savior, at that moment, there's a miraculous thing that happens, that not only are, are, are your sins forgiven and are you completely made right with God, but also you receive the Holy Spirit. <laughs> this is what we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But this is how it's described in Ephesians 1.13. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth. So how does, how does the truth come into our, our lives? It's through hearing. And then it says in Romans that it's through believing in our hearts that we are saved. And so he says, so when we heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed, so it's that that moment of faith. So how are we saved? We're saved by grace through faith. <laughs> it's when we believe in our hearts, we trust that what God has said is true. When we believe that his word is what saves us, it's his power, it's his work that saves us. When we put our trust and that, when we believe, then you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. 
who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. So there was an Advent time in my life where I had met my wife, and uh, she wasn't my wife yet. <laughs> I wanted her to be my wife. <laughs> we were dating. Um, we were headed towards marriage. Um, but she had more schooling to do, and I needed to work. I had finished college, and I needed to work to save up to buy something called a ring because <laughs> I wanted to ask her to be my wife, and I didn't have any money. So I had to move to Colorado, and she was in Chicago, and we spent a year apart, and uh, about two or three months in that year, or maybe it was longer than that, about six months of that year, I worked, and I saved up to buy a ring. Now, at that point where I was ready to ask her, I bought the ring, and I asked her uh, to marry me, and I gave her a ring. And that ring was a sign or a seal or a symbol of my promise that I was going to marry her, (laughs) that I was going to spend the rest of my life with her. But the reality is we weren't married yet, right? And so the rest of that year, we remained apart. She was in Chicago. I was in Colorado. Now, that wasn't an easy year. (laughs) It was hard to be apart because we wanted to be together. But she had a ring. That was a sign of my promise that there was going to be a wedding day, (laughs) a day was going to come where we were going to exchange vows and we were going to promise the rest of our lives together. But the reality is it hadn't arrived yet. But every time she would look at that ring, she would remember (laughs) she had heard a promise that I was going to come and that we were going to get married. That was 16 years ago. (laughs) And. I look back at that Advent time, and it wasn't easy because we had, to, we had to wait, and we had to be apart. But that's what Ephesians is describing for us, that we have a promise that God will save us, that his work on the cross is powerful enough to forgive us and give us all of eternal life, and that we will one day be reunited with him, that he will come again And he will make everything right. Everything that is painful and wrong in your life and my life in this world will be made right. And he's given us a sign, a seal. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the engagement ring that God has given us. And he uses another example, a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance of those who are God's possession. Now, the good thing about that ring is that meant no other guys could uh, pursue my wife (laughs) because I had I had said she she's going to be mine. Right. And she had promised herself to me. And so in a sense, in a beautiful sense, we belonged to one another. Right. And so in the same way, God is saying those who believe in me, those who are mine (laughs) are mine. (laughs) You don't you don't have to fear. You don't have to be afraid. Because we belong to him and he belongs to us. And so this is a beautiful thing. This is a a picture of love. This is a picture of honor and of commitment. This is a picture of faithfulness, a picture of sacrifice. And God has given us the Holy Spirit. Um, Over Thanksgiving, I I got to go back to Colorado uh, where my parents live and two of my brothers. and, And one of my brothers and his wife about three years ago, 
decided to uh, foster some kids. And so they had, they had three foster kids uh, come into their home. And, and what was really beautiful in that time is that God put a love in their hearts for these kids so that um, they decided to adopt these three, three children. And so we watched that, that process of these three kids come into their home and then become part of the family, become part of their family, part of our family. And what was so beautiful about that, that um, process is now, three years later, we look at these kids and we see so much beautiful things that have happened in their lives and how, so much blessing that's come in their lives, but as well as the blessing they've given to uh, their parents as well and to all of us. And this is what God describes in Romans chapter 8, uh, verse 9 through 11. You can see this on the screen because this is what God is doing for us because we, like those three kids, a lot of times in this world, we're born as orphans. We're born lost. We're born in a sense of not knowing our identity, our place in this world. Every person has that struggle. I've had that struggle. Every person I've ever talked to has had that struggle. And so when we come into relationship with God, something changes. Something powerful changes. We begin to realize our identity. And this is what what Romans talks about. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also Give life to your mortal bodies because of the spirit who lives in you. For those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father, that means Daddy. The spirit of himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if... We are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in, all, in order that we may also share in his glory. What is that saying? That is saying when we follow Jesus, <laughs> when we place our faith in him, when we receive from him what only he could give us in the forgiveness of our sins and the eternal life of what he's accomplished in the resurrection, then in him we also have the Holy Spirit. And because the Holy Spirit lives in us, we have this new identity. <laughs> we have this new way of being in the world. Just like my wife and I were never the same after our engagement, and my nephew, nephews and nieces are not the same now that they've been adopted. Their names have changed. They have a home. They have a family. They have an inheritance. In the same way, because the Spirit of God lives in us, God himself will accomplish what he's promised. He will give life to our mortal bodies. He will not leave us in fear. Rather, we have this absolute confidence and love knowing that we are sons and daughters. And that changes how we live. I've watched it for three years in my niece and nephews. Their lives have changed. They don't go through this life the same because they've been adopted. And it's the same for us. When you are adopted by God, when you receive his spirit, you cannot remain the same. 
it changes. It changes everything. And so it's the presence of God in our lives and the power of God. This presence is a gift, but it's also something that we must seek out because the Holy Spirit is a person. Now, a relationship cannot just happen without investment. It takes investment. And so when my wife and I were growing in our relationship with each other, we spent a lot of time talking on the phone. I would write her letters. <laughs> we would uh, send each other um, messages in different ways. And so a relationship is intentional. It takes, um, it takes in, uh, effort in a way. And so with the Holy Spirit as well, there's a relationship that is being built within us. We know him and he knows us, but we're growing in him. And so that's what the Bible talks about over and over as you read through the Bible. In Galatians, it says, live by the Spirit. So live with him, walk with him. It says in Galatians that we're to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. And so we begin to understand the presence of God and his voice in our lives. It says in Ephesians 5 that we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That signifies that that's something that's continually needing to happen in our lives. Like it's not something that, it's a gift that we have of the Holy Spirit with us, but, but we have to continually foster that relationship, foster his presence in our lives. It says in 1 Thessalonians that we're not to quench the Holy Spirit. In First uh, Timothy, it says, famine to flame the gift of God, the spirit who gives us power and love and self-discipline. And so it's something that we're to walk with, to grow in, to develop in our lives is the presence of the Holy Spirit with us. And then the other aspect of the Holy Spirit with us in the transformation that God wants to do in this waiting time while he returns, until he returns, is the power that he has for our lives right now. The day when Jesus comes back, it's going to be powerful. It says every eye will see, every tongue will confess that he is Lord. It says that it will be like a trumpet sound, like everyone's going to know <laughs> when Jesus comes back. There's going to be power. He's going to be the king. But until that time, there is power with those who have the Holy Spirit. It's kind of like when I was a kid, we went to Washington, D.C., and uh, my dad had a friend who worked in the Secret Service in uh, Washington. And uh, he, he was busy doing some things, so we had some time to just kind of wander around. And, and I remember as a kid feeling really uncomfortable. I just felt like I don't belong <laughs> in this place, you know. And, uh, um, and so we were kind of sitting around, kind of walking around. But then my dad's friend came, and he sat with us. And then he said, come on, I'm going to take you around. And all of a sudden, I felt different because now I felt like, okay, now I belong here. And it was amazing. He would show his badge, and we can go through all these doors and all these places, and we can meet all these people. And all of a sudden, we had access, and we had power, in a sense, because of his presence. You see that? Because of his presence, we had power. And that is what the Holy Spirit does for us. You see, it's not us doing the work. <laughs> it's not us producing these things, because we can't. We, don't, we can't do that on our own. And so it's his presence with us that enables power to take place for us to have access to things that we could never do on our own. That's what the Holy Spirit does. There's a couple things. Um, I, I want to end with this. Three things that, that the Holy Spirit does in power. But there's one other one that I want to add. The Holy Spirit has power, as it says in Romans 8, 
that he could physically resurrect Jesus from the grave. And so resurrection power includes the transformation of our physical beings. Now, I think this is going to happen for all of us one day. But until that day, we, the Bible teaches us, and I believe this with all my heart, that the Spirit has power to heal us physically, to restore us, to do things, miracles in our lives. And I've experienced the miraculous power of the Holy Spirit, and I've seen it in other people. And I believe in the physical power of the Holy Spirit to heal and to restore. But that doesn't always happen. He is, he's the one who works it. In fact, that's why he's called like a, a wind or a fire. You can't control it. But the three I really want to emphasize tonight about his power is he has power to bring truth. The Holy Spirit has power to bring truth into our lives. And so the reality is we live in a world that's full of deception and lies. Um, there's many things that I have believed that aren't true. And when the Holy Spirit comes into my life, his presence and through his power, he exposes those lies and he brings truth. Some of those lies could, in my life were around fear, fear of, of different things. And as he began to show me the lie of, of fear of others or fear of, of different things, I became free. <laughs> I became free to love and to free to do the things that God had called me to do. Maybe some of the lies that people have believed have been about being accepted or being forgiven or being worthy right, or of being loved. Those are all lies that Satan uses in our lives to try to destroy us, to harm us. But when the Holy Spirit comes, he brings power over the lie, and he brings truth, which brings freedom. <laughs> and so when you realize that you are loved by God, boy, that's a powerful thing. <laughs> you begin to live differently when you realize you're loved. When you begin to realize you're accepted by God, it changes things. When it begin to realize you are worthy, that God loves you, and he, he was willing to even lay down his life for you, that's how much worth you have. When you realize your worth, it changes things. When you realize that you can be forgiven, that changes things. And so he brings the power of truth into our lives. He also brings the power of holiness into our lives. This is the transformation of our being. Um, a few weeks ago, I was... Um, over a month I was, uh, ago, I was meeting with a man, and, and uh, he, he had some very broken relationships in his life. And, and he realized that there was anger in his life, and that anger was destroying. It was destroying him, and it was destroying others. And uh, he couldn't change it on his own. <laughs> and I couldn't change it for him. <laughs> you see, there's things in our lives that no one can change, and we can't change, but God can change. And uh, this week, we were sitting together with this man, and this, he had tears coming down his face, and he said, God did a miracle in my life because the anger's gone. <laughs> the anger's gone. <laughs> That's the Holy Spirit. And over the last few weeks, his relationships have been restored. There's transformation taking place in his life, and it's powerful. He, he's just amazed. He says, I can't explain it. I can't explain it. God did something. He changed something in me. That is the power of the Holy Spirit. He, he brings holiness, a new reality into our lives that changes us. The third thing the Holy Spirit does is he gives us abundant life. He gives us abundant life. He satisfies our souls. And that's, that's powerful because we live in a world and we're going into Christmas time. What's everyone chasing? <laughs> They're chasing fulfillment. They're chasing satisfaction through uh, different things. Um, I see it in myself. I see it in my kids. If only I had this toy or this thing, right? 
And so all those things can be good things. The Bible says every good and uh, good gift comes from God. There's a lot of good material things we can enjoy, but none of those things ultimately satisfy us. And even our human relationships don't ultimately satisfy us. What ultimately satisfies us is God himself and the Holy Spirit. He can bring such a satisfaction, such a peace in our hearts that we could live through this life not having any material things <laughs> like Jesus. He didn't have a home. <laughs> he, didn't have a, he didn't have a car. He didn't have anything that this world says is valuable or important, but he was the most satisfied, fulfilled person who's ever lived. That's why crowds came to him because they said, we want what you have, Jesus. And what did Jesus have? The presence and the power of God. He was the presence and the power of God. And that's available. This is what John 7 says, and this is what we're going to end. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood, and he said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. See, he's talking about the satisfied life, the abundant life, the life of blessing. He said, by this he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. That's what we have. <laughs> Do you realize the very presence and power of God is dwelling within you? It's amazing. That is what Jesus is talking about. Up to this time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. But Jesus is glorified today. <laughs> he is the resurrected king and he's coming soon. But he's given us the Holy Spirit until he comes again.